the banker for a, for a life or a living. When they have a child that's going to grow up and become part of the family, be a banker, they never let that child touch anything other than real money. They never let the child touch anything but real money. They say they can't play Monopoly, whatever it is that your imagination goes to. They can't play with anything and they can't use or handle anything other than real money so that they can detect a counterfeit so fast. And so that's my advice to you as well. Well, I like to read the occult and different... No, folks, no, no, no. I like to read... The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. We need to understand the truth. And when you know the truth well enough, the lie is pretty well obvious. Now, we need to know some things, clearly, but the something that sets Christianity apart from other religions is other religions. This is one of my themes. This is one of my themes. I love it. I love to say this to people. Religions teach, join our group or die. Christianity says, come with us and live. That's the difference in religion and relationship. Now, what kind of life are we called to? That's what we're talking about this morning. We're called to come to Christ and live, really live. For the first time in our life, we really are called to live. The unborn second birth, the unborn, those that Jesus said you must be born again to enter and to even see the kingdom of God, those people have no idea of the pressure taken off by the power of the Holy Spirit. Men particularly, yep, that's right. Uh, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends, and I'm going to tell you what. Folks, if you don't, uh, if you want to see what living without Christ does to a person, get our age. Get about 60, 65, and having done it all yourself, these folks are broken down. You can't. We weren't made to do that. When I say to you that Adam and Jesus were the only men ever who lived on this planet as God intended a man to live. Adam threw it away pretty quick. But Adam and the Lord Jesus were the only men who lived on this planet as God intended men to live. And the rest of us are struggling because of sin. But I'm telling you, if you don't have Christ in your life and the Holy Spirit in your soul, in your spirit, if you're not sealed with the Holy Spirit, life is much more difficult than it has to be. And can I just say to you this, you can't do it. You can't do it. The family will suffer, you will suffer, your health will suffer, your wife will suffer, your husband will suffer. But I want to read this to you now. This is the crux of the message this morning. This is the verse that when I was a young preacher and I, I, I discovered this and, and discovered it meaning this, it was in there, but I found it. The Lord took me to it. And the Lord like illuminated this off the page for me to become like the light came on and here was this verse. It is 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24. And just now, soak this in this morning. We're not in a hurry. We're, we're not going anywhere. I'll be done about 3, 3.45 until. <laughs> we're here. We're here a while. Yeah, I love it watching spaces. And uh, <laughs> I know you're hungry. <laughs> Listen to what it says. First Thessalonians 5 and 24. And you get this. 
And when you when you and you, when you think this through and study this, it becomes, I'm telling you, a game changer. This verse is one of those verses that changes everything. Faithful is he that calleth you, comma. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Have you ever read that before? You should, because I preach it about three times a year. Have you read that verse before? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. What does that verse say? First of all, this God that we serve, this Holy Spirit that is in us and prompting us and teaching us and counseling us and empowering us, instructing us and gifting us, this Holy Spirit and Christ and God the Father all one calling comes from one throne, and it's God the Father. It's one. They are an indivisible. When you were called to salvation, you were called to a life purpose and gifted to do the work. Gifted. The Lord said, I finished the work in the 17th of John, the priestly prayer. Jesus said, O oh, Father, glorify now your Son. I have glorified you here on earth. How did I do that? How did he glorify the Father? How did we glorify the Father? I finished the work you gave me to do. I meet Christians on a daily basis who have no idea what their work is and never even ask. How are you going to stand before the Lord and say, and hear well done when you didn't know what your job was? Do you believe with me this morning? He gifted you when he saved you. He gifted you. He gave you a gift, at least one gift. I think there are multiple, but I think... I believe you have at least one predominant gift. And here's the beauty of it. <laughs> he called you. He gifted you. And this faithful God is going to do the work. Anybody said to me, I call you to preach. I'm not a preacher. I hear the Lord calling me to preach. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a public speaker. I don't even like to read. Can you imagine what he's done for my life in those years? I am so different than what I... What, than what, listen, I'm, everybody's different than they were at 18 years old. I'll give you that. Do you have any age at all? That's not the, that's not the part that throws me. The part that throws me is this. I'm different than what I wanted to be, intended to be, and set out to be. Everything changed when he said this. I want you to preach the gospel. Everything changed. Now you laugh at this statement, but I want to tell you this. If you're in America working for a living and have a brain in your head, I don't think it would be difficult to be a millionaire. I really don't think it's hard to make money. I don't think making money is hard at all. I think what the Lord does with your money is amazing. I think what he allows people to have and not have and to do I don't preach tithing. Not often. I preach tithing when it's in the text. But can I tell you a, uh, just a testimony this morning? I'm going to promise you if you obey God, 90% of whatever you have will go a lot farther than 100% if you give the Lord His. You'll have brand new things break down all the time if you think you're going to hold back from God. 
10%, that's a lot. That's just the beginning of it, folks. 10%, is that a lot? God gave all of it to you anyway. He gave you 100% of it. Oh, I work hard. Yes, you do. Who gave you legs and air and lung and muscle and brain? Now, that's a different sermon, but I want to say this to you. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You know, there was a Sunday. It's clear in my mind there was a Sunday when preaching got from nervous. I was a nervous, anxious, um, Tick. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's are inside. I was a nervous preacher. I would, I would spend Saturday night till so late at night putting a sermon together. All week I frustrated and, uh, and I put it together and work on it, work on it, work on it. And one Sunday I was preaching and I looked down and my notes were gone. I picked up something else from my business. I picked up the papers from my business. Well, you can't preach that. <laughs> that wouldn't be a gospel message. And so I looked down, and I quickly prayed to the Lord this. Help me remember what I was studying this week. And I want to tell you something. This verse came to mind. I had studied years before. Faithful is he that calleth you, for he also will do it. That Sunday I learned one big secret about preaching and about my whole life and yours. Get out of the way. Just be faithful and get out of the way. That was the easiest sermon ever preached in my life. Easiest ever. The Lord just started. Um, if you've seen the movie Gone with the Wind, you see at the end where um, she's hearing voices. She hears her father's voice. Scarlett O'Hara hears her father's voice. The rhetoric of Tara and, and frankly, someone didn't care much. And, and uh, you hear those things. And it's in voice. And it's in voice. That Sunday morning, the Lord started putting verses in my ears that I hadn't studied for a long time and tell them, tell them that, tell them that, tell them that. Now, you believe that, you don't believe that, that's your deal. I'm going to sing this to you. That was a life lesson for me on the whole Christian life. On the whole Christian life. My weeks are spent, and my wife and I, our weeks are spent talking to people who are trying to do the work. If you go to other lands, if you go to other countries and travel abroad much, you'll see the whole world doesn't do it like us. And the people who take time to relax and enjoy family and put less emphasis on things and money are happier than Americans are. Amen. We are a nervous bunch. It's true. We're an unhappy group. It's true. It's all about money, 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 money. Well, I just put money in the plate this morning. <laughs> you got to have money. Thank you for that. Can I say to you to give the Lord back? We'll bless you in ways you don't even understand here. It isn't about giving the Lord money. He's not broke. It isn't about giving this church money. We're not broke. We have very few expenses here. We help a lot of people. But the thing is this. You're trusting the Lord. You're, you're, saying, you're saying thank you. You're being grateful to the Lord. Saying I know where it came from. I know the source. I'm grateful. 
And so the one who calls us, folks, this morning, listen, when we're teaching about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're talking this morning basically about the indwelling Spirit. He indwells us. He indwells us. He comes, and the Bible says in Ephesians that He is sealed in our heart to the day of redemption. That's why no Christians can go to hell. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. But the one who calls us, the one who calls us to the job is the one who performs the work. He does what he calls us to do. Now in my lifetime, what I have more us with are people that are Christians that annoy other people. That is what people want to talk to a preacher about. That is what people want to call and talk and, and have conversations about. And folks, I want to tell you something. Here is who annoys you. People who haven't given it over to the Lord. There's a stress and an angst and a... And a it goes against the, the rhyme and the rhythm of life. It goes against the ebb and flow of things as God laid them out. A baby. A baby on a mother's or father's uh, chest. I remember my kids were small. One of the greatest things in my life was to be with my young children. And I'd lay them right on me, flesh to flesh. You ever done that? Just lay a baby on your skin. Their skin, your skin. You know what they do? They hear the heartbeat. And my family, my, my family taught you do uh, this little padding Two on the hind and one on the back. Two on the back, one on the hind. And the kid hears the heartbeat. And you start moving with it just a little bit, and before long that kid is just out. You ever laid by the ocean and just laid there? You, you, I can't stay awake laying by the ocean. There's a rhythm and a rhyme to it. That it's just like it's just like it feels like it's taken over my my blood system and my heart rate and everything. It just takes over. And just lulls you. The people who annoy us, and, and they're from all walks of life, these are people who haven't given over to the Holy Spirit's work. They haven't yielded. They haven't committed themselves. They haven't given up. They won't stop the flesh. They won't, they won't let it stop. They don't do what the Lord said through all the scriptures, rest in me. He said, come to me, all you that labor and heavy late, all you that are working frantic and so tired. This life will wear you out. It will exhaust you. It'll, it'll finally kill you. This life will wear you out if we don't come to the Lord and learn to rest. And I mean rest. And that word means the very thing you did when you came in this building or out in the cars, wherever you are, out in tree land out there. Listen, this is what you do. You come and you back over, eventually find a place, and you, and you, uh, you, just, you just trust that to hold you. You trust that to hold you up. And uh, that's what he said. Just, just trust the Lord to hold you. He said, I got you. I got you. Just rest everything that you are. Just rest it all on me. Rest me. Rest with me. Have you, do you think you've done that? Do you believe this morning that you've come to the Lord and rested? He said, This is the reason my yoke is easy. What's that saying? Yours is hard. You're working yourself crazy. And my burden is light. Your burden is heavy. Now, folks, people say, how do you do business 
in this world and reconcile that with what you're saying this morning? How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, folks, your customers aren't a number, they're a person. Whatever business you're in, they're not what you're getting from them. They're what you can give to them. You know what the Lord said? Lord, I want, I want Malachi chapter 3. Read it for yourself. Look at verse 10. He says this. You think you can outgive me? He said, I've given you a lot. Give it away. I'm not talking about going home and giving your couch away. People just go crazy. I'm telling you this. He said, learn to be a giving person. Helpful person. You have plenty, share it. The Lord said, I'll promise I'll fill your bag back up. I'll fill up your, your cabinet. I'll fill them up. I'll fill up your purse. It doesn't matter. The Lord's not broke. He's waiting for you to learn to give. The one who calls. Philippians 2 and verse 13 says this, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Faithful is he that calleth you who will do it, and God that works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's God that works in you and me. It's God that works in us to do what? His will. That's why the, that's why the gospel of salvation is not a question of, of can you. Never in the word of God does it say can you be saved today. Can you? The question is, will you? It's an act of the will. Now we move on to this. It's Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. We're talking about this something that sets Christianity apart. It's the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Romans 5 and 10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. How many people have told you in your lifetime, how many people have said to you, Jesus died to save you? That's not what the Bible says, by the way. When I was young, I heard that sermon. I heard that title for a sermon many times. Jesus died to save you. Well, it is a part of the salvation plan, isn't it? But Romans 5 and 10, Paul says, if, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, that's now reconciled, uh, past tense being now an accomplished fact, we were reconciled, brought together, we shall be saved by his life. It's the saving life of Christ. It's his resurrection, his ascension, his living forever now at the right hand of God the Father. That's where salvation comes from. We're saved by his life. Reconciled by his death. Saved by his life. And so we see from the scriptures that as soon as reconciliation, reconciliation is being brought together in agreement. You agree with God, you're a sinner. And you agree with God that Jesus Christ was not and that his death, his sinless death, paid away for our salvation. And so as soon as reconciliation that God has accomplished, then here's what happens. And this is what the Bible teaches that I didn't understand for years. God re-imparts. He re-imparts to us um, the, the forgiven sinner, the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
You ever seen a baby lay in a crib and grin? Uh, not gas, all that. You, you ever seen a baby lay in a crib and just smile? I think Connie sent me one. I, uh, Caitlin sent me a few. Babies grinning. Look at that baby. They, little bitty baby laying in the crib. They don't know a thing. And they just smile. What are they thinking about? I believe that. I, believe, I really believe it's Holy Spirit communion. Fellowship with God. We have to get a little bit older and start lying to people and start being selfish and start taking things from other people because we're bigger than them. We have to scar up our ego. We have to scar our soul with this new ego that lies. And it starts, and you can see it in the nursery, when there's a nursery somewhere or little children together. And the little fat kid with rolls on him has all the toys, and he's slobbering on them all. And the rest of the kids are just watching. He took them all because he could. That's our nature. What are babies smiling about? I didn't understand this when I was a young preacher, and I'm sorry that I didn't preach it right. But the reimparting of the presence of the Holy Spirit is what happens at reconciliation. It's called restoration. It's called regeneration. But reconciliation. It says in Titus 3 and 5, listen to what Paul says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Everywhere you go, you see that word renewing, restoration. I have a couple more examples. I want you to see them with me. I want you to know that when we're saved, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit is re-imparted to us. Re-given our old nature, our sin nature, won't allow it. This is what David knew. Psalm 19 and 7 says this, And the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. That's the Word of God. The Word of God is perfect, and it converts the soul. It turns it around. And what it says, it returns it to its starting point. If you read the Word of God, and you believe the Word of God, your soul will be returned to its starting point when you were a baby. You know when they say that little babies trust? Little babies have a, just a trust in them until they're dropped. Until they're taught not to trust. Until they're, until they're shown they can't trust. Babies just trust. You can pick up a, a newborn baby and lay it on your hand. They'll just lay limp. They just trust you. I don't care where it's at. You can hold it outside a window of an airplane. They don't care until they learn that they can fall. And that's what we do. In Psalm 23 and verse 3, remember David's shepherd. He says, he restored my soul. The word restores again means to return to a starting point. The Lord is my shepherd. What does he do for me? He takes me where I can lay down in a soft place. Or I can drink cold, clear water. He restores my soul. He takes my soul back to when I was a newborn baby. An old cranky man came into my store one day and he was talking to me and he said, I heard you're a preacher. And I said, yeah, I've heard that too. And we were talking there and he got all cranky. He said, I don't believe a word of it. And I said, you look like you don't. And he was just, he was just angry. I don't believe a word of that. 
I said, boy, you must be fun to be around. And we were talking, and he said this, what I believe about men like you is that you're weak and you need a crutch. He said, you believe the Bible? I said, I believe it all. Here's how much Bible I believe. I believe the parts I don't understand. I believe it all. I think the maps are pretty close. I believe the Bible. And he said, really? That's just a sign of weakness. You're not a real man. You're not a... He said, you're weak. He said, you use that thing for a crutch. I said, no, I use it for a wheelchair. No, I don't use it for a crutch. No, no, I use it for a wheelchair. He said, you really believe that stuff in there? And I said, let me ask you how... I want to ask you a question really honestly. How happy are you? How happy is your family with you? How... This is the question now. This is the question. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you're driving, where you live, and I don't care about that. I don't care. I have no question. How fulfilled are you? In my town, I know a lot of people who have a lot of money. I don't know a lot of happy people. And I don't know a lot of people who are fulfilled. fulfilled. You believe that? You think money's going to make you happy? There are too many people that left a lot behind, except people that love them. Left a lot of stuff. Colossians 1 and 27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what that word glory means, by the way? Here's the mystery that happened when you got saved. The Holy Spirit came to dwell in you, and that's the mystery of... Paul said before he was a minister, God hadn't released the mystery yet. He hadn't explained the mystery. The dark sayings that we see in Proverbs, and the dark sayings, and the hidden things, and the things that were locked up until Paul came along, and God said, I want you to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And I want you to be the one to unlock the mysteries. And there are seven of them in the Word of God. The last one being Mystery Babylon. Remember? Revelation 17. And she came on a beast and had the, the goblet full of blood in her hand. She's riding. In my estimation, she's riding on the back of all the religions through all time. She's coming down like a barrel, like a freight train, drunk with the blood of the saints. And he said, on her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. Mystery. It's a mystery. I'm going to tell you something. If you're in a mystery religion, you need to get out. God made it clear. He said, there is no mystery here. The revelation of the mystery is Jesus Christ. The revelation of the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that word glory means reflected likeness. Here's the hope of Christ when he sent the Holy Spirit and sealed it inside you and me. The hope of Jesus Christ was this, that you would reflect his likeness in this world. That people would see you and me and know there's something way better than this old flesh can, can offer. And there is, folks, it will do it. I'm getting old enough to start realizing some things. I thought when I was young I was going to change the world. I thought people were going to listen to the gospel and change a whole lot doesn't happen very much and 
I can't make that happen. I can't make you believe anything, but the Lord tells me to tell you. I can't make you believe anything. But he loves you. And he's given you all these things and said this, if you'll just lean on me, if you'll trust me, if you'll give your life to me, if you'll let me drive, get out of it. Get out from behind the wheel. You can't drive that thing. You're in the ditch all the time. I'm a, I tell you this this morning. I wouldn't be here. I, I don't believe I'd be alive today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ in my youth calling me aside. From what I see in the world and what I'm hearing of the world and the things that are coming to light out of the darkness of this world, I want to say this to you. I wouldn't even want to live here if I thought this is the best it is. Amen, brother. I wouldn't even want to go on in here, this world. I, there's nothing. So what? The mundane of making a living and you earn some money and then so you get a day off now and then, big deal. So what do you do? You go spend that money. You got to go, you got to go pay for the thing. On and on it goes. Well, this life is a drudgery without Jesus Christ. Amen. This life is a mundane drudgery without knowing there's a purpose behind this thing. And I'm here to take as many as I can with me when I go home. Praise God. I wouldn't even want to do it anymore. If this was the best it's going to get, and then I could look forward to this. And you work real hard, and you work real hard, and one of these days you can sit down and stop. Yeah, you can quit. Isn't that something? And so the people tell me what they want to do, do what they want to do. They don't want to do anything. You know what Jesus said? Go out in this world. Go out in the highways and the byways and tell them who I am. No, no, no. Uh, we were at a friend's house the other night. They got a television big as our wall. Big as our wall. And I remember, when, <laughs> I remember our television growing up. I was the... Uh, I was, I was the rabbit ears. I was the human rabbit ears. I had to go over and spread those things and hold them and move around until we could get one of the three wonderful channels we got. And my dad said, hold that still. And the night that it was crazy, I remember the most. Now you had to. We had a pair of vice grips for a channel changer. Yeah, a pair of pliers. And we had a bunch of aluminum foil up on the rabbit ears. And if the wind wasn't blowing, the sun wasn't hot, and you, you could get Topeka on a good night if you had them, both of them pointed out the window. And we were up there, and my dad wanted to see the weather because he had hay down. And the weatherman said, because I was a good boy, and I was doing my aerobic workout with those in my hands, and I got in the right position. And as he was hearing the 6 o'clock news that the weather was going to be fair, he couldn't hear the television for the hail beating on the window, the picture window. It's not all true out there, folks. It's not all true. Can I tell you how much is true? The Bible teaches outside this church and, and past the cars, I'll give them that much. Outside of here today is a lie. We live in a lie. This is Satan's domain. It's deception. It's a lie. Aren't you glad he told you that?
So if we yield, if we yield by consent to the Holy Spirit, what we do according to the Bible is manifest the Son of God in our lives, appropriating the gifts that he puts there. And so here's what we're saved from when the Holy Spirit comes in and we yield to him and we come to him and he says, come unto me and rest, all you that labor and heavy laden. Here's what we get a rest from, self-effort. I've said this so many times. I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I don't know if it's time for you to get this or not, but I want to say it one more time. The Lord calls us to stop. Quit. Quit. Stop. Not about you. It is not about you and me. It's about Him. So the self-effort, the self-promotion, the self, the doing, I have to do this, I have to do this. No, 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 no. The self-effort. We're spared from that. Um, we're spared from the frustration of inadequacy. Do you hear me this morning? You can't do it. Do you? Let's look, at sick, let's look at illness, let's look at family trouble, let's look at divorces, let's look at unhappy marriages, let's look at homes who are living in a facade, a facade. We don't have to wear a mask anymore. We can be honest. We can rest. It's very difficult for young men. It's very difficult for men. Uh, to be set free and spared from this inadequacy. The tyranny of self. And so I want to close with a couple of comments this morning. And one of them is this. Here's what Jesus said. Listen very carefully. These are three statements Jesus made in the Bible. And this is, this is one of those who do you think you are moments to make. I wouldn't say that to you. I wouldn't be that bold and ugly. But I want to say to me, these are those who do you think you are moments. Jesus said in John 8, 28, he said unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, ye shall know that I am, that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Who is this? God come down in the flesh? God comes here. God. Now, get that right. It's God. It's nothing else than God. It's God in the flesh. And he comes here and says, I don't do one thing. I do nothing of myself. I don't think people hear this. I don't think people even understand this or care. Or care. The church doesn't care for sure. The Lord said, I do nothing of myself. And I'll say, where are they at tonight? Out doing something of themselves. What are they doing? Again, we talk about that all the time. You have no idea how wonderful I am. John 5 and 19, Jesus answered and said, The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. And one more, John 5, 15 and 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing.
I was a younger preacher, I thought, this will be a fun job. People respect preachers. Haven't found that to be true so much. Maybe it's just me. But I also am not going to tell you stuff to make you feel good about you. That's not, that's not what we do here. That's not what I'm planning to do. Here's what we know about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I do nothing of myself. The Son of Man does nothing of himself. And so we have to ask the question as we're studying this Christian life, what can we do of ourselves of any real value? We know the effect of what he does. But the Holy Spirit teaches us that we can affect what he's doing. And so we learn through the Holy Spirit and through his teaching, through the Word of God, through the understanding given by the Holy Spirit of his Bible, of his Word. It's not so much about our ability in this world, but about our availability. Here's one of my favorites, and you know it well, Matthew 25 and 15. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway Jesus took his journey. Several ability means to one's own ability. And so God gave us different abilities. He gave us different things that we're good at, can do. And so our response to that would be our responsibility in this world. Our response to the God-given abilities we have is our responsibility. But really, he really wants, as Paul told us, who art thou, Lord? And what will you have me to do is our availability. Are you available to him? I'd rather have a kid you have to tell everything every moment of the day and teach him what needs done than have a man there who believes he's a genius that won't do the work. Humility is a huge thing. I'd rather have a teachable anything than an arrogant nothing. Our responsibility and our availability. I want you to hear this from Major Ian Thomas. You know who that is? Major Thomas? No. Major Ian Thomas, I, I was listening to Adrian Rogers one day, and he said it was his favorite author as a high school boy. And so I looked up Ian Thomas, his name's Major Ian Thomas, he was a military man, and I think he did some tremendous things. He, he, he wrote a book called The Saving Life of Jesus Christ, The Saving Life of Christ. And Adrian Rogers said when he was a young man, and, and he read that repeatedly, and he reads it now, well he did then when he was preaching, before he passed, he read it over and over at least once a year. It's one of the favorite books in my library, The Saving Life of Jesus Christ by Ian Thomas, Major Ian Thomas. And this is, I, I, this is a quote from that book. He says, being filled with the Holy Spirit is allowing God to be who he is in who I am with the absolute right to play that role in my soul that instinct plays in an animal. One more time. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is allowing God to be who He is in who I am with the absolute right to play that role in my soul that instinct plays in the animal. It is to be in me, he said this, to be in me. He is the origin of his own image. 
He is the source of his own activity. Now listen to this line. He is the dynamic of his own demands. Faithful is he, or he will do it. The cause of his own effect. And so he says this. This is in another part of the book, but he says, so there. There's only one person to congratulate if you do anything worth doing in this life, and it is he. He is the one. Praise God. The examples from Scripture, and there are two stories, and they're very quick here. The Lord spake unto us in Horeb, in Deuteronomy 1 and in verse 6. The Lord spoke to us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn ye, and take your journey, and go. You hear that? The 32nd verse, Deuteronomy 1 says, Yet in this thing they did not believe the Lord their God. Deuteronomy 1.35 says, Surely you shall not one of these men, there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see the good of the land, which I swear to give unto your fathers. I believe this this morning, folks. We're at a juncture in our country where Christians need to stand up. We need to stand up. You know what? I've been force-fed the lies and the stupidity about as long as I'm going to listen to it and be kind about it. We need to stand up. The Bible lays it out, God's plan. He lays out God's purpose. The Bible lays out the creation of God. And may I say this to you candidly and kindly, if you're confused about it, don't drag me into your problem. If you're confused about what God planned and what he did and who he is and what he's doing and who you are, who you're not, if you can't take a look in the mirror and see what you are and what you're not, that's not my problem. That is not my problem. Will I help you with that? Yes. Will I get involved with it and be ridiculed and be ostracized because I'm not playing your game? Probably, but I'm not playing the game. You know what the Lord said? Not one of these men are going to go into the promised land because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. Now a couple years ago we were in the basement here having a Bible study. Listen to what it says. In Numbers 20 and 10, just, just listen to this verse, just a moment. It says, Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we, you see this, must we fetch water out of the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with the rod, he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake, now this is something, the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Hebrews 3 and 18 says, And to whom swear he they should not enter into his rest? The writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, I think it's Paul, it doesn't matter, the Holy Spirit wrote the book. The question is, in the New Testament, clear back in the book of Hebrews, it says, To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. 
well, we're having a Bible study here a couple of years ago, and, and I said, this is what the deal is. They couldn't go in because of unbelief, and Moses wasn't allowed to go in because of unbelief. And a woman said to me, uh, I don't believe that. <laughs> Can I say this to you? That's your deal, not mine. Here's what they said. God, the Lord, spake to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you believe me not, you shall not bring this congregation into the land. Why did Moses not go into the land? Unbelief. That's right. First Corinthians, Paul tells the Corinthians there, many of them, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Hebrews 4 and 1 says, let us therefore fear. That's a big statement to Christians, folks. Let us therefore fear. What? Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, and any of you should seem to come short of it. Here's the reason. Listen very carefully. Here's the reason we should be afraid. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. What do you do? What do you do on Sunday when you leave here? What do you do on Monday when you get up from the Word of God and go to work? What do you do with this Word of God? What do we do with these truths? I'm living in a world today of Christians, my Christian family around me. And I'm talking from all walks. I'm talking from other, all my Christian friends. They know there's something wrong with the world and they're not trusting God to fix it. They're trusting other things. <laughs> Can I tell you, if those other things are working with God, it's wonderful. But the reason we're in the mess we're in today is because of men. It started with Adam and Eve. It started with Adam and Eve. I've been studying the account of the Garden of Eden, and I think it's way wilder and deeper than I've ever imagined. I think it's a wild account. I think what really transpired there is just wild. I don't think it's very cut and dry. It's, it's one thing, and this, I think it's wild. Of course it is. And I think we're about to be exposed to wild ideas and wild things. Because in the Garden that day, in the garden that day. When God created Adam and Eve, he said to Adam and Eve, and Satan was there. Satan was there. You read Romans chapter 5 very carefully. Satan was there, and the Lord said this, in the day that you eat the fruit thereof, you shall surely die. Now Satan had a job. <coughs> now Satan knew what he, what he was going to do. Death was alive. Death was there, but it was not activated. And God told Adam, the day that you eat of that fruit of that tree, the day you do that, you shall surely die. Satan wanted nothing more and wants nothing more than death. 
The transaction in the Garden of Eden, I think, is the wildest story in the Bible. I really believe it. I think it's wild. What really happened between the serpent, the woman, and the man. If you want to rest in this life, if you want to promote Christ, if you want to be the Christian that brings other people to Christ, if you want to go home and hear it, well done. Well done. Can you imagine with me this morning hearing well done from Jesus Christ? Well done. Good and faithful servant. Entity into the rest. Can I tell you this? I don't know many saints of God that are going to need rest. They're not doing it, they're resting now. When he says, Well done, good and faithful servant, you've worked, you finished the work I gave you to do. Now you can rest. Just like the generation that our parents called hippies. Just like that, the church has become. Well, my dad was like, him bored, need a haircut, they need a job, need a bath. <laughs> you know, that generation of hippies got the boys started growing hair down over their ears, and boy, the men couldn't stand it. And so they interviewed him on television one day. There was an interview, I was a little boy in 1968. Had a brother in Vietnam, and Kennedy shot was shot, and Martin Luther King was shot, and I thought the world coming to an end. I was watching the news, and I was interested, and I just stand across the room and watch the news, and they said, What is it? Why are you living like this? Why are you living out there in a bus that you painted with a paintbrush with a bucket for house paint? Why are you living like that? Why are you doing those things? And they said, all I've ever heard all my life is my parents saying, one of these days when I can quit. One of these days when the man can't tell me what to do every day. One of these days when I can rest and quit and get away from this rat race of a job. And they said, we heard about it so long every night at dinner, we decided to quit before we started we decided to just retire before we got the job. I believe with all my heart that's what the church has decided today. Why would the Lord, why would the Lord tell anybody we know, now you can rest? <laughs> really? Wake up, I got something to tell you. You can rest now. I need to make a door a little bigger now, but we'll, we'll get you in there and you'll be able to rest. You know, we're resting now, aren't we? We're good church people. We're resting now. We're doing exactly what we want to do, how we want to do it, because we're gifted, honest, good work. Well, we're something. And we have earned this, and we're going to rest now. Folks, are in the world around us going straight to hell. Look at, the, look at the average teenager today, and I'm not making fun, I'm not mocking, but look at the attitude in the young people. Man, they know more than anybody. They are they think. I'll tell you what smart is. Smart is believing in, in implementing the Word of God. Smart is appropriating the truth of the Word of God the days that we have here to go home one day and be rewarded for our behavior. What's the thing that's different about Christianity? Christ. Christ. What does He do? He calls you to rest. And folks, if we don't get it, what's the world going to see? 
We don't get it. That person running around driving everybody crazy, you just can't rest. Oh, they got to do stuff. They got to do stuff. They got to be known for known for doing. Got to be doing, 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 doing. They're like, get away from me. Like a flea. Like a chigger. Like a mosquito, man. People just swatting at these things. Like a nasty fly. Get away from me. And what is it about? Having learned to rest. Not going to do it. And why is that? Because of who I am. Because of me. Because of me. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to call you into this restful life. This week, watch the uh, commercials. If you watch TV at all, watch the commercials. They're trying to give you in appeal form what the Holy Spirit will do if you just ask Him. They're trying to make you be able to cope with life. You believe that? What's that do? It levels me out. <laughs> A recliner levels people out. What does this pill do? It levels me out. It makes life where I can tolerate it. The Lord didn't save you to tolerate you, this world. He gave you an abundant life and said, now go show the world who I am. Go show the world who I am. I'm taking care of you. I know. Would you come to it? Would you today, in your car, on the way home, on your knees, in your bedroom tonight, would you tell the Lord, I give up? I'm tired of having to know it all, be it all, do it all. Lord, I'm tired. Just come to Him and rest. Are you tired? I'm tired. I'm a Christian, I'm tired. I'm telling you, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't be doing much. I wouldn't be in the world doing much. I would have checked out so some way some years ago. Not worth it. It's not worth it. But this life is. And the world needs some more. Father, we thank you for this hour. Bless us now, we pray. Give us strength, give us understanding, give us the power to quit, the power to yield, the power to serve you. Go with each one who's heard this now. Give us strength and understanding now in Jesus' name. Amen.